live in an era when our cities are armed with steel and concrete. Computers and electronics barricade our minds. It doesn't change the fact that there exist a lot of strange phenomena, bizarre beyond reason or logic. Most folks just don't see them. That's because we cling to order, to any tiny happiness that comes our way, and we bust our humps to blind ourselves with our desires and our pleasures. There's a world of darkness out there, beyond time or space. A world filled with evil that is undeniably real. And in that world, there are things that run wild. Welcome back, everyone. You are listening to the Me and My Dad Watch Anime Podcast, where... <gasps> my, that's impressive, Grandpa. I've never seen one like it. <laughs> my name is Drew, and I'm here with my dad, David. Greetings, friends. And this week, we watch Yoshiaki Kawahiri's Wicked City. Before we get into the show, let's let the people know. Dad, what are we under the influence of? Today's episode, we will be drinking a Bubo. Bubo? Yeah, your uh, mother picked this up. It's a great pick by mom, I guess. I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's a 2018 Cabernet Sauvignon, California. The funny thing is it says that Bubo is the Latin word for owl in the same Oh, in the name of the goddess Athena's magical owl. Oh. It also has a meaning of an enlarged lymph node that is tender and painful. <laughs> enlarged, tender, and painful things seem to be right up this yeah. movie's alley. And uh, Bebo's particularly occur in the groin and armpit. <laughs> perfect. Perfect. <laughs> Swollen glands are seen in a number of infectious diseases, including gonorrhea, syphilis, tuberculosis, and bubonic plague. This wine feels sexually charged, which it, I, I suppose worked perfectly. It does, and uh, I think they might have wanted to think of a different name. I don't think too many people are going to associate it with an owl, but if they look up the uh, the definition, yeah, they be, might be in for uh, yeah. something new. Yeah, <laughs> well, let's armpit freaking you know lymph node. <laughs> Yikes! Yeah, yeah, that's not 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 the best way to start it. Is with uh, you know sexually transmitted diseases but we're we're gonna get there we're, we're certainly gonna get there with this episode <laughs> yeah. but let's uh let's hear this one hit the glass all right and this is gonna be the little wayne looking for a pardon pour beautiful Ooh, ooh, got a Sweet. little bit of uh tension there there you go Alrighty, Dad, now that our glasses are filled to the brim, what can you tell me about this movie? As the uh, resident anime fact finder for this podcast, I, I know you've done your research. Yeah, it's uh, based off a series of six novels called The Black Guard. Mm -hmm. And uh, the name of the author was uh, Hideyuki Kikuchi? I think Kikuchi's right. All right. It's close enough for yeah, you. Sort of butchered it, but that's okay. Yeah, kind of powered through. And um, I found that Kawahiri, he served as the character designer, storyboard artist, the animation director, and the key animator. I mean, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, it seems like he had his, uh, his hands all over this one, and, and maybe he should have kept it to himself. Yeah, <laughs> probably. And uh, I found it interesting because it, it seems like it has a lot of uh, similarities to Ninja Scroll, at least the characters. 
Yeah, there's a lot of uh, simulators in Interscroll, and I, I guess I'll relitigate that in my spotlight. Okay. And I also found in reading about some of the reviews about the film, mm-hmm. there was a, a review by Charles Solomon of the Los Angeles Times. Okay. And he points out that, you know, a lot of people believe that there's like a connection between screen violence and violence in real society. And, you know, of course, Japan is responsible for many of these, you know, violent animes. And the thing of it is, Japan is probably the least violent society in the industrial world. Mm-hmm. It's so, all that underlying darkness. That's yeah. why Wicked City is the maybe the perfect. So it's funny how they, you know, they come out with so many of these films, but at the same point, you know. They're, they're reserved people. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> reserved people with some uh, with some demons. And I mean, being that we're two people that went to Japan, I can attest that it is incredibly safe. Yeah. I I mean, I was probably a danger to everybody else in Japan. I was the one who was looking for the red light district, not you. So <laughs> that's, uh, that's a fun little fact about me. But, you know, maybe Solomon uh, is not completely off base there, but... You know, I, I just don't want to listen to these critics. I don't think they have the the true pulse of the people. And that's what I'm looking for. And that's why we're going to jump right into our Letterboxd Worst Reviews. Uh, starting off with a half star by Smokey Joe on November 21, 2020. I need to bathe in holy water after viewing this movie. You guys earned this. And it was like a little link to, a, I guess, like a medal. It says, I survived an hour and 22 minutes of Wicked City and... I don't necessarily think I deserve that medal because I dipped out as soon as the end credits came. So maybe that's uh, maybe that's for you if you stuck around. Uh, another half star by Alexa on April 28th, 2020. This was the single most misogynistic film I've ever seen. I don't even have a joke for that. That's how much I hate this shit. Dot gif. And Alexa, you're, uh, you hit that one right on the head because I, I was troubled by this movie by... Uh, for a lot of reasons, but the misogyny was it was hard to swallow. Uh, as much as maybe a tentacle monster is. For, yeah, uh, this Mach one was a. tough. Yeah, <laughs> tough is <laughs> tough is uh, an understatement. Um, another star by River Koss on uh, or Kaus on October seventh, twenty twenty. I need to delete this from my browser history immediately. And I don't know <laughs> what this viewing experience was like for you, but when I was watching this movie. I mistakenly started it somewhere outside of the privacy uh, privacy of my own bedroom, and I was like hiding my screen from like my roommates, and I just was I was I was in a weird place watching this <laughs> for sure. This probably you know wouldn't be the the worst thing to delete from your browser history, but yeah, I understand. Yeah, for sure. That yeah, <laughs> hentai and this are yeah. probably the two things. you This was hide sort of soft core hentai. That's yeah, it's a good introduction if you're into that type yeah. of shit. Um, another star. Of course, I've never watched hentai before. Yeah, speak for yourself. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, another star by Gus OBC on August 29th, 2019. My dad accidentally borrowed this and we watched it with the family. Uh, what's worse? Um, having your family watch this by accident or asking your dad to watch it multiple times for a podcast. And well, <laughs> I gotta ask what the age it was of the, the, the kids watching it, uh, but that must have been a interesting uh, conversation afterwards. Yeah. He probably got grounded for sure. <laughs> well, but he it, didn't get grounded. His dad brought it accidentally. Yeah, but the dad is going to lash out. We all know that. He's not <laughs> going to on the kid. He's not going to take responsibility for that. Yeah. Uh, another star and a half by Taylor on December 21st, 2020. Wicked City is the kind of film where it's clear everyone making it was incredibly horny, but also clear that nobody, not even one person, 
involved in the production had sex in their entire life. And I have to question if, you know, Kawahiri is a, a kind lover. If, you know, he he's ever made it that first base. Because the way he treats women is... Uh, I certainly wouldn't want to give him a first date if I've seen some of these films. Yeah. He's definitely having some trouble in the dating scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he doesn't have a daughter, a Zoomie, like I made up in the last episode. <laughs> Maybe from, like, a hooker. Um, another star and a half from Floating G. Bean. Try and convince me this isn't just men in black hentai. And... You know, it's a pretty good description. Well, you know, from what I understand, to join the Church of Scientology, you actually have to get butt fucked by Xenu, which is like the tentacle monster that they pray to. So I don't think this would be too out of character for someone like Will Smith. Um, <laughs> sorry, Will. Holy. Sorry, Big Willie. Uh, another two stars by Drew Baldwin on December twenty first, twenty twenty. Anyone who says this is their favorite movie has also had dinner at a strip club buffet multiple times, and. Uh, I certainly can't uh, speak to the the buffet aspect of it, but I have to say I do not like strip clubs. You do not want to eat at the strip club buffet. I I mean I've heard conflicting reports as to whether it's good or not, but you know the only time I've ever been to a strip club, the the stripper was in my ear telling me to uh, not touch her or do anything that I want. So I kind of just sat there with my hands uh, under me. <laughs> I enjoyed a really gross fucking lap dance. Uh, and then finally, two and a half stars by Mr. Jake Snakes. If you like, oh, it's on December 31st, uh, 2020. If you like Horton Hears a Who, you'll love this. And, uh, you know, this is a fun little fact. Did you actually know that Dr. Seuss liked to draw uh, naked ladies? This isn't a joke. He came out with a book called The Seven Lady Godivas in 1939. Really? Yeah. It was considered a huge failure. And he, he apparently tried his darndest to, to draw the sexiest women that he could. And they all just look like the Grinch. It was really. (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, now that we've uh, illuminated some of the Internet's thoughts on this movie, let's let's shine our own spotlight, Dad. Where would you like to shine yours? Okay, let's start with the opening scene with the Spider-Woman. Perfect place to start. Yeah. I mean, you know, we've got the, the fanged vagina. The vagina dentata. Yeah, vagina dentata. And it. When I saw it, it sort of reminded me of Venus flytrap. Oh yeah. But I guess you probably would want to call it a penis flytrap. <laughs> <laughs> that caught me by surprise. Oh. Uh, and um, you know, it's criminal that they have um, Maki, Makie. Yeah, Makie. Makie. She's being gang banged, and they make it appear like she's actually maybe enjoying it. I mean, it, by the fact that she's moaning more in pleasure and not screaming or crying. Yeah. The way he portrayed these rape scenes, I mean, I'm going to say it in my own way, but I was really just, it was too much. And uh, my art, quite a character. That's some way to put it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he was, you know, basically a horned up Yoda or something like that. And uh, apparently he's hung like a horse. <laughs> that, I will have to wonder if Yoda is also packing. Maybe uh, maybe that comes out in a different Star Wars movie. And at the same point, I mean, he's like 200 years old, and uh, I guess he doesn't need any Vi- uh, Viagra. No, no. Like you said, he knows how to keep his head up, and, uh, you know, that, that titty maybe proved him wrong because he got put down after that, but I digress. Yeah. And, of course, I was, you know, I noticed the similarities with the characters from Ninja Scrolls. So, mm-hmm. I mean, Maki basically is Kajero, and Maillard is... Uh, Dakawan. Dakawan, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was uh, that was my first spotlight, is that Kawahiri really only seems to know how to make one plot. 
<laughs> it was just old men tricking young hot people into fucking for some various reason. Yeah. And uh, it would appear that the women from the black world are routinely violated because Maki appears to have no ill effects from being violently raped at least three times in the film. Yeah, and then fucking Taki, as he saves her uh, from Mr. Shadow and uh, that whole, you know, being chained up, he immediately makes a sexualized joke. He's just like, well, I prefer the bare-ass naked look. It's like, come on, Taki, read the room. She just got unchained. You can't be talking about that shit. I know. And uh, at the end, to say that my art was really protecting Taki and, uh, and Makie, you know, is sort of a stretch. I mean, it seemed like his main objective was just to get laid. Yeah. And it was never, <laughs> he was never there in any of their confrontation and only showed up at the very end. Well, it's that little blue lightning streak. As I watched the movie a second time, it does sort of appear. And whatever had killed the Spider Woman was obviously my art because he uh, possesses the same like lightning ability. So, oh, is that yeah? Because I was going to bring that up. I mean, I was questioning if that was him or supposedly. I mean, you know, they appear in this church. Yeah. Which the ending as a whole. Yeah. We'll have to really interrogate Kawahiri at the end of this. Yeah. Uh, was uh, there any more? No, that was pretty much it. Okay. Well, you got one of mine, so I'm just going to jump right into the fact that the sexual assault in this movie is is absolutely abhorrent. Uh, for someone like Taki, who has been specifically hired to stop demons from using illegal entry methods, it seems like it happens a lot on his watch. <laughs> uh, and obviously, this isn't all Taki's fault, but, you know, Makie's treatment, just like uh, Kagero in Ninja Scroll, is, is completely detestable. Um, and speaking of detestable behavior... The shame of nutting inside of a demon, I can only imagine, is unlike anything else. Uh, everyone knows that Taki fucks. I mean, he's, he's getting uh, bets from his bartender placed against him. You know, his boss and his coworkers are making cheeky comments. And they all know he can't keep it in his pants. And, you know, Taki's just a lech. He's cream-pieing strangers left and right. He doesn't even know what a condom looks like, let alone how to put one on. Uh, <laughs> and with anyone, you know, who's is a little bit of a sexually active i'm sure there's some encounters that you're not proud of but i really can't imagine the shame of nutting inside a, a toothy vagina and then watching that same girl your your one night stand crawl down the side of a building like a tick running away from a fucking fire so <laughs> good for you taki i'm glad it felt great it, the funny thing is too when um uh the old man mr myart says it's like the best thing ever it's the most pleasure you can possibly have taki doesn't even seem like he really cares like he's kind of the one delivering pleasure so much so that he makes Makie cry. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so <laughs> that uh, that was definitely illuminating to see. Uh, was there uh, any takeaways, any unintentional lessons now that we've laid out the, the foundation here? Yeah. If you uh, want to live long, you obviously should become a wizard because supposedly uh, my art is like 200 years old. And apparently immortal. He's getting stabbed yeah. by a bunch of shit. Yeah. And like I said before, no Viagra needed. Yeah, <laughs> that's just the spell. Yeah, 200 years, he's still, he's got it going. And uh, I guess demons are notoriously uh, misogynistic. Um, I mean, they're constantly always just raping women and love the use of tentacles. There's really pretty much just carnal pleasures in hell. So I, I don't think it would be, uh, you know, at least consensual. It doesn't seem like it's up a demon's alley. <laughs> and i also noticed that um if you see a bird f you know fall dead 
then more than likely there's a demon present. Did you notice that? Yeah, yeah. They did kind of just drop because it was what? First in the, the Spider Woman's yeah, apartment. They showed the, the bird in the bird cage and it was dead. And then at the end when they were at that church outside, the birds are flying by and all of a sudden they fall dead. Mm-hmm. And of course, um, what's him? Mr. Shadow or yeah, whatever. Yeah, Mr. Yeah. Shadow shows up. Yeah. And um, romantics have no place as guardians, even if you're the best. Yeah. <laughs> He's too goddamn romantic to yeah. do his job well. Yeah. And then with Taki unable to say he loves uh, Makie, just goes to show you players only love you when they're playing. Stone cold. Yeah. I when I watched it again this morning, you were right. Like he's just like, I I can't say it. I can't yeah. say I love you. <laughs> but he's gonna have the kids. So, you know, good for him for bridging the world between uh the dark world and ours. You have uh, any more? No, that's it. No. Uh I only had a couple. Um there's always enough time to fuck, even if you're uh on a mission. And this is technically the the James Bond principle. Uh, but since the average time of ejaculation is like five and a half minutes, it seems actually kind of feasible. I don't really care what kind of mission you got. Um, next one I have is, uh, the best pussy is, is always the most dangerous. Uh, whether it's teeth an underlying disease or the way raw sex makes your brain melt, know what you're getting into before you you stick your head into the lion's uh, mouth. Oh, um, and this is a, this is definitely true. Uh, if a random woman asks you to come inside her, it's almost like 99% a trap. So don't <laughs> fucking do it. Uh, and speaking of uh, dangerous liaisons, um, be more sexually cautious or uh, you might end up with a, a kid with a demon. Um, and no one likes child support, especially if you're paying for a kid who might be the Antichrist. Uh, so don't be like Taki and, and wear a condom. <laughs> and then finally, this is probably the most important lesson I could uh, I could throw out there is uh, if you see a girl being assaulted, don't leave her. Be a real life ally and stand up for women. You know, uh, the way that he puts his female characters into these positions, like you just hope these men would make better decisions. I mean, really? Well, Taki doesn't even pull the gun out at that uh, big tentacle monster. Like he's just like, all right, well, I guess I'll drive away with my art. But yeah, he got a little frozen. Yeah, he he, <laughs> he was apparently uh, energized enough to have a, a scream in the car as he's driving away, but he didn't feel like he wanted to fight for his woman. So I guess that really does show that maybe he doesn't love her. Uh, so, Dad, we've reached the, the question section of our podcast, and uh, the Vipers are doing some pregame stretches. The uh, referee is, is getting his finger ready for that coin. But most importantly, are you ready? I am. Okay. Entry number one. While doing press for the release of Vampire Hunter D, the director stated that although he had since adapted several of writer Hideyuki Kikuchi's novels, the relationship started off on the wrong foot. I remember when Kikuchi first saw Wicked City. Uh, And then there's a little laughter. Um, We spoke once during pre-production about some ideas I had for the film, and I read the novels in which the movie was based, but the studio allowed me to make some of my own decisions. And Kikuchi, he told me straight to my face, he said, this movie is disgusting. He vowed to never work with me again. But lo and behold, I convinced him to give me another, uh, or yeah, convinced him to give me another chance. Entry number two. In a year 2000 interview with director Kaohiri, when asked about the hardships he faced while in production of Wicked City, he stated that his problems were twofold. One being that the film was worked on at a high speed of rate, and, compliment, uh, and completed after only a year with a small staff, something the director said took a physical toll on him, and two, 
When he originally agreed to the project, he was told it would only be 35 minutes. But halfway through the production, director Kawahiri was suddenly told to extend the film to 80 minutes. When given an out by a producer stating, if you don't think you can do it, you don't have to, director Kawahiri chose to continue, believing there was more to explore in Wicked City. Entry number three. While doing press for the film's release, director Kawahiri was asked what kind of research went into his directional debut. After correcting the interviewer, and this is actually his third directional credit, he did reveal that the only real research done for the film was locational. I traveled into Tokyo with a photographer and some research money from the budget, and we were sent to a few places that ended up making into the film, like the airport and the hotel, which was fine and good, but the real fun was getting to visit the soaplands. I'm not going to say where we spent our research money, but I can tell you there wasn't much left when we came home. <laughs> and entry number four. Director Takashi Koike had since made a name for himself as one of the most talented animators in the industry. But for many years, he worked under the supervision and guidance of director Kawahiri, who acted as a mentor for the young animator during such films as Wicked City, Demons City Shinjuku, and Ninja Scroll. But after a string of jobs from other directors, Kawahiri noted that he and Koike had drifted apart and that they hadn't spoken for many years. This estrangement was, of course, amended in 2009 when Kawahiri was asked by Koike to perform Red Lion's first key animation. In a press interview for Red Lion's release, Kawahiri said, This is the happiest day of my life. It feels like my son has come back to me. Dad, off the coin flip, what do you think is a lie? I'm going to say the visit to the Soaplands. Okay, you don't think uh, yeah. Kawahiri was... <laughs> I don't think, yeah, I don't think he was... Uh, Spending the it? film budget? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, you are correct. That is a lie. I'm going to say that the um, the one about during the press release for Vampire Hunter D, mm -hmm. um, that thing was... That's also a lie. The uh, The... the the novelist not liking yeah, the movie? Yeah. Is that your final answer? Yes. Okay. That is also a lie. So we have two left. We have the uh, the 35 minutes to 80, and then our uh, our final one, the uh, the no longer estranged uh, Koike inviting Kawahiri to come onto Red Line. Yeah, I, I don't believe that one. I think it's the uh, 35 minutes to 80. Is that what it was? Mm -hmm. Are you yeah. uh, locking in that answer? I am. All right, Dad, you are correct. Yes. You are going to get the ball uh, on that first possession, so good job. You know, <laughs> I know we uh, had a, a false start on the uh, last one where you yeah. got it right away. but Well, I had read something about that. So, Interestingly that enough, though, uh, Kawahiri actually did work as the, the first key animator for Redline. Did he? Yeah, he was, uh, he was the first one, which is pretty no cool. No kidding. Wow. Um, well, Dad, now that we uh, know where the ball is going and Patrick Erskine is ready to take the field, we're going to play a little Were You Paying Attention? Before we start, let's send this one over to my friend Joe for the pregame update. What's happening, Joe, baby? <laughs> Welcome inside the broadcast booth, everybody. I'm... Joe coming to you live from Raymond James Stadium in sunshiny Tampa Bay. 
We're anticipating a great game between the Tampa Bay Vipers and the St. Louis Battlehawks, where XFL newcomer Petrick Vanellitainerskine looks to show the league that a true Viper strikes twice. He's following up a strong performance from last week, but he'll be throwing into dangerous territory against Battlehawk safety Jamal. I tweet with my dick, Jeffries. <laughs> Back to you, Drew. <laughs> And uh, this is a fun little fact before we get right into the first question. Did you know um, that? That's, I'm interested to know how he tweets with his dick. He just kind of holds it down there and like presses it up against the screen maybe. Oh, no. Either that or it's like very small like a finger. Like it's really could be twofold. Uh, <laughs> did you know that vanilla flavoring comes from anal glands of beavers? I just wanted to bring that up before we jump in. Yeah, I heard something like that before. Yeah, that was something I learned yesterday from Come a TikTok. Come on now. That's true? That's true, yeah. Vanilla Taint uh, has a little beaver musk to him. And uh, he's I, coming... Wait a minute, though. <laughs> it, there's the vanilla bean. But vanilla flavoring, I believe. I know there's something to that, but okay. I think we're going to have to look that one up. Yeah, we might have to bring that up. Uh, maybe to Google, at the very least. You ready for a uh, question? Taint. <laughs> Beaver taint. Beaver taint All right. Question number one. When Taki is at the bar waiting for Kanako to exit the bathroom, he asks the bartender for one more drink. What is he drinking? Is it A, Bacardi, B, Jack Daniels, C, Maker's Mark, or D, Jägermeister? Hmm. Not good. Um... I'm going to say B, Jack Daniels. All righty, Joe, what's going on? Thanks, Drew. Erskine is approaching the line today with a lot of swagger and with good reason. I've been told that after notching his first win against Seattle, Vanilla Taint is feeling like the monkey and the hookers are finally off his back. Erskine approaches the line, and he's going to take this one under center. With a grab of his crotch, these receivers are in motion. The ball is snapped. Erskine drops back. Three-man rush, and he's gone all day. Patrick is going to roll out. He's pointing to a man downfield. He hurls it, and it's going to be caught. Leon Donkey Dick Digsby with the big reception. 35 yards and a first down. It's amazing that man can run. Yeah, yeah. He. Uh, <laughs> it's how he has his balance. Yeah. It's all kind of down the yeah. middle. So good job. We, we, got, that, we got that first uh, big play out of the way. Excellent. Question number two. During one of the film's early voiceovers, Taki states that his undercover job is an electrical equipment salesman for a manufacturer in what Tokyo ward? Is it A, Shinjuku, B, Shinagawa, C, Nakano, or D, Shibuya? Mm. I'm going to say Shinjuku. Alrighty. What's the update, Joe? Drew, the Vipers are looking out of sync here. Patrick had a few bad passes and a big drop on third down. And after a punt by Eugene Dick Whistle Simmons, <laughs> the Battlehawks and their rookie quarterback are going to be uh, able to do just enough to put three points on the board. And now the Vipers are sent back to the drawing board. Damn it. So you're down three. And, where, uh, where was it? It was uh, Shibuya. It was close. Uh, we have a chance to go up for uh, three points of our own, but we have to, I guess, just stake this third one. So question number three. After Makie saves Taki, she uh, rattles off a list of Taki's personal details. 
He's 28 years old, six one and a half inches, 176 pounds, and an AB blood type. How much salary does he have per month? Is it A, 2,400, B, 2,700, C, 3,000, or D, 3,300? I believe it's A, 2,400. All right, sending you back to Joe. Drew Erskine and the Vipers offense are hoping to put some points on the board before halftime. And they're coming to the line with trips left and their man, Juicy Thighs Ricardo, in the backfield. Erskine gets the ball. A blitz is coming. The defense is breathing down his neck, but Erskine is buying time with his feet. He lost it. And, oh, what a catch. Roger from under Cheese Danish with the catch. And he's going to bring this one into field goal range and put his team up by three points heading into halftime. Evening it out with the St. Louis Battlehawks. So we, uh, we uh, I guess, saved ourselves from going down with the deficit coming yeah, into here. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm going to have to, you know, take some fluids as usual. You're uh, definitely going to indulge in some sort of substances in this yeah, halftime. Yeah, absolutely. So. I'm going to come up all fired up. For what reason, I don't know. Yeah, well, you'll see. Um, <laughs> uh, so Just that, don't ask me to take a piss test after the freaking game. Yeah, 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 yeah perfect. <laughs> All right, that was our uh, halftime interview. Erskine is uh, threatening the NFL to not to fucking check his piss. Um, but nonetheless, question number four. Following the explosion at the airport, Taki Makie and Mr. Maiar take shelter in a hotel protected by spiritual barriers. What is the name of that hotel? Is it A, the Dolphin Hotel, B, Tato Hotel, C, the Peninsula Hotel, or D, the Satachio Hotel? Uh, that would be B, the Tato. Alrighty, coming back after halftime. What's going on, Joe? We're here after halftime, and the Vipers are taking it from the 20-yard line. Interestingly enough, moments before our broadcast team captured Erskine rallying his teammates with what appears to be the Joe Buck special around his nose. And he's coming <laughs> to the line with a lot of fire, and I think I know why. <laughs> The wideouts are split. There's a man in the backfield, and Erskine hikes the ball. Play action. Erskine rolling out. There's a corner coming on the blitz, but it looks like a costly mistake. Petrick's going to heave it to the big, bumbling tight end. Nathan Bloody Piss Patrizio with a 25-yard <laughs> reception, and he's going to scamper for a few more. What a play by Patrizio. Bloody Piss. <laughs> That's tough. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's from taking too many hits in the liver uh, on the practice field at the very least. But we we did have a positive gain, and we have a chance to score and go up by a touchdown. Right. So I hope you're ready for these last two. Oh, I am. Okay. Question number five. Once the hotel has been compromised by radicals, Mr. Maillard escapes through a window to a brothel sponsored by what American Lifestyle magazine? Is it A, Hustler, B, Playboy, C, Penthouse, or D, Maxim? I believe it's B, Playboy. Alrighty, send it back to Tampa Bay. Drew, the Vipers know this game is coming to an end, and they're going to try to put some points on the board with their air raid offense. Vanilla Tane is making some adjustments on the line. It looks like he doesn't like what he sees, and he's going to call an audible. He brings a man in motion, and the ball is snapped. Erskine hands the ball off to the motion man. And Randall, I smoke crack Barnes has a block from Otto Tuttle downfield. <laughs> He's going to have a few more blocks along the way. And Randall, I smoke crack is looking fresh off a rock. Hightailing this one for a Vipers touchdown. Yee! 
you uh, maybe had a little bit more of that Joe Buck special to pass around there, uh, Patrick. So <laughs> I'm glad uh, Randall got his cut. Yeah. Enough to get that touchdown. Oh, yeah. At least. All right, Dad. We uh, we have a, a touchdown up on this team, but you know we could lose it all uh, right away, so we don't know just yet. Yikes. So last question. Question number six. Mr. Myart is placed in a medical tank after his dangerous encounter in the soapland. But according to the doctor, he is a miraculous healer. How many minutes does the doctor say it will take for Mr. Myart to recover? Is it A, 25 minutes, B, 30 minutes, C, 45 minutes, or D, 50 minutes? Mm. I remember him saying this, but I know it's either 25 or 30. I want to say A. Alrighty, let's send it back to Joe. Drew, the score is 10 to 3, and it looks like this is going to be the final opportunity for the Vipers to make a push. And after the huge reception by Bloody Piss Patrizio, the Vipers are going to be gunning for the end zone. From here, it looks like Erskine's eyes are popping out of his head with what Fox is allowing me to call excitement. Patrick is going to take this one with a tight end on the line. His receiver is tight and juicy thighs in the backfield. Vanilla Taint sends Meep Meep in motion, and he hikes it. Erskine drops back. Another play action, but the defense doesn't bite. The pocket is holding strong, but coverage is tight. Erskine's looking downfield for a home run, and it seems like he has something he likes. Vanilla throws a rocket down the sideline. He's got a man streaking toward the end zone. But the ball's going to sail right in the arms of Jamal. I tweet with my Jake Jeffries. <laughs> he's going to take this one all the way back, and he's going to have plenty to tweet about. <laughs> a heartbreaking pick for Erskine, and he's going to have to watch I tweet with my dick. Bring this one into a tie. Oh, no. It this was is the, 30. Yeah, it was 30. This was the first tie that we've had since I haven't prepared it. So <laughs> yeah, we don't have any tiebreakers. <laughs> yeah, I didn't think this was going to happen, so oh, I no. guess we're going to have to just call it a tie. And, uh, yeah. Just hang our heads and get after this field. I mean, what a crazy turn of events. Yeah, that... Uh, uh. I'm disappointed. Yeah, Jamal, I tweet with my dick Jeffries is definitely going to be in uh, Erskine's mentions. <laughs> that freaking dick tweeting bastard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's probably what he's looking for uh, with the nickname. Uh, he, he wants that smoke. Well, you know, oh, uh, you know, a tie isn't the worst thing that could happen. Nah, but we're we're gonna head back into the locker room trying to cool down and essentially just get our head back together we're gonna jump in that ice bath have a little bit more of this wine gatorade and we're gonna play a little would you rather are you uh are you ready to decompress after that one Ted? yeah i'm still a little hopped up but that's all right okay well here is our first one would you rather play russian roulette with a vagina dentata meaning uh our my not your mother my mother so you don't know. It's almost like you're playing Russian roulette. Like anytime this happens, it could happen. Or have your uh, have a brain eating parasite enter through your urethra and slowly work its way up your body. And you have a certain amount of time to get it out before it kills you. But and uh, the stipulation of the Russian roulette one is you can't leave her. Obviously, I wouldn't allow you to leave my mom in these questions. But there is a complication now in that relationship. Yeah, it's it's disturbing that you have to. Um, bring your mother involved in this and well i can't just say that you're hooking up with a random vagina dentata it has to be you're a yeah, married well, this man. is all hypothetical anyways but you're I a mean, married man talking and this is this is 
This is bad. Yeah. This is a tough one to start it off. And I mean, me well, wait a minute. So this is just a one-time thing. We're playing Russian roulette. I mean, this isn't like every time you have sex. Well, for the rest of your marriage, it could happen at any time. Or I guess I'll say it's, uh, well, I don't want to, you know, change this too much. I was going to say it's almost like a period. Like she's like, oh, I'm, you know, <laughs> start spreading <laughs> teeth. I mean, the brain-eating parasite through your urethra, I mean, mm-hmm. you know. That's... It's not going to kill you right away, but, I mean, like I said, you have a certain amount of time to recognize that you have been, uh, I guess, penetrated by this parasite, and you have a little time to essentially get to the hospital. But... Oh, so you're saying that I might be able to, uh, yes. to kill it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, if we're talking about vagina dentata... For the, rest of, yeah, for the rest <laughs> of my life, that's tough. I guess I'm just going to have to hope that we can uh, kill that brain, you know, brain parasite. Mm-hmm. You know, there is a... I was looking up, like, the, the Vagina Dentata <laughs> Wikipedia, and I think it was either, like, a Japanese story or something that, you know, whatever it was, it was, like, a metal condom. It was just, like, a big, like, metal sheet that they put over their dick in the story, so... You know, that's There's actually option. a movie called Teeth. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I, I wish I had... Uh, I've s- actually watched it. Have you? Yeah. Was just, it bad? Just once. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's been a long time, but okay. it definitely gave me nightmares. When we get to that in our Teeth podcast, we'll uh, get a little <laughs> bit deeper into that. All right, next, would you rather? Would you rather finish every meal with a full glass of Jack Daniels or eat your meal with a warm glass of breast milk? So either you're getting fucked up after breakfast, lunch, and dinner, or uh, you're you're getting nature's milk, hot and ready, in a cup. Um, how big a glass? I'll say it's like a twelve ounce glass. Oh, that's impossible. Okay, maybe. Oh, I'm talking about the milk. Oh. I guess with the... Oh, that's the, not too bad, no. With the Jack Daniels, maybe that's just like a, a rocks glass. I don't know. You do have a, a certain amount of time. I guess if you're eating breakfast early in the morning, you can get that first you know, glass down and uh, hopefully have your stomach back by noon. Oh, boy. After every meal? So uh, even like a snack? Um... <laughs> eat a couple freaking bag you know bag of chips and next thing it's like here's your jack daniels i'll say that you have to have it after like a, a regular meal um i don't know if i'm gonna allow you to skirt away by just eating snack foods you're not just like chewing on popcorn to avoid drinking the bottle but yeah well i could probably get away with eating once a day and uh or eat your meal with a glass of warm breast milk. I've never had breast milk, so. Well, that you remember. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on. Um, I'll tell you straight up, I'm picking the breast milk. There's no way I'm drinking Jack Daniels that much all day. I can barely function smoking pot. I'm not fucking getting hammered like that. I'd become an alcoholic pretty darn quick, maybe. Yeah, I guess you're probably right. That That would be tough. Because then, like, if you eat breakfast and you slam a fucking, you know, glass of Jack Daniels, you got to drive, you have a lunch break at work, you got to work the rest of the day, <laughs> and then you got to drive home. Yeah. Well, I guess the, the dinner one is probably the most, you know, peaceful of the three. Yeah, you're right. 
Breast well, milk it is. Yeah, <laughs> pour us it up. <laughs> Maybe we'll just suck it straight from the teat, depending on where we're getting it from. Wasn't there an episode on Friends about breast milk? You know, I'm not like a big Friends guy. I'm more of a How I Met Your Mother. That's yeah. where I landed. I can't remember what they said it tastes like or Probably how they creamy. would even know. Creamy. Yeah, I bet it's really <laughs> good, dude. Babies love it. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> They're living off it. Yeah. All right. Would you rather number three? Would you rather shrink to four feet tall, but you get to have a huge penis or be the janitor at a brothel? So as the janitor, you're you're cleaning up squirt, cum, shit, whatever fucking is coming out on the floor. Uh, you're making the beds, everything, you know, you're, you're definitely putting it back into a good shape. And with the other one, it's pretty self-explanatory. You're almost like a, a Tyrion Lannister type of figure where <laughs> you are a little person, but you have a hog. Yeah, why not? I think I would also do that. I'm, I mean, to <laughs> either I have to have a shitty job or I have a huge dick. Yeah. That seems like... <laughs> You know, four feet tall. That's it's not all that bad. No, if Vern Troyer can have a sex tape, <laughs> then anybody fucking could have a you know a working sex life. Yeah, so. there you go. Maybe he was the one drinking the Jack Daniels. I know you said you got drunk all the time. Uh, next one up. Would you rather shoot spider webs when you ejaculate, or would you rather eat with your eyes, but you now have to poop through your mouth? So in the way that that would work, your eyeballs have those uh, little. I guess its own set of teeth and you're going to have to eat, you know, a hot dog, your cereal, whatever you want to shove in there. And it's, you're going to poop out of your mouth. That's how the, the digestive system works. It's all in your sinus now. Or, you know, with the spiderweb thing, you're borderline Peter Parker, uh, just out of your penis. You're able to, <laughs> there's a possibility that I'll even allow you to swing if you really can shoot it. High <laughs> enough. Uh, yeah, well, it's going to have to be the, uh, the spider webs. Yeah. You're not pooping out your mouth. No, that's, that's disgusting. Yeah. And just eating with your eyes. I mean, what mm -hmm. the hell? Yeah. We do that enough on Instagram. I don't need to actually have a digestive tract. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The spider web thing could be fun. I guess you have to have a pretty good refractory period. Maybe, uh, if you want to do it more than once, because you know, in a real Spider-Man situation, he's shooting multiple webs, but you know, if I'm up in a, a skyscraper situation, I don't think I'm going to be able to shoot off two loads before I hit the ground. <laughs> <laughs> so that's uh, that's also going to be my choice. Yeah, you have to take that in consideration. All right. Would you uh, rather lactate every hour on the hour or tell your measurements to every new person you talk to? So you meet somebody, I guess, in the, these COVID times. In a more conventional time, you might meet some random person. You meet a waiter at a restaurant. You're like, hi, I'm Dave. I'm fucking this many inches. I'm this tall. Like, you got to tell them the whole thing. Or, uh, you know, you're going to have those those <laughs> big wet spots on your shirt. Yeah. Why would I be lactating? Why would you shoot fucking webs out of your dick? Don't ask <laughs> that type of question. <laughs> you're not. You're getting distracted. <laughs> tell your measurements. What? My waist size? Everything. Anything that could be measured on your body. You almost have to like hand them like a card. It's just like, all right, this is, it's like your business card. It's like, I, <laughs> I have this uh, size ass, this size chest. Oh, my, my dick gosh. is this long. Yeah. It's just on your, uh, on your business card. Yeah. <laughs> That's the, the most intimate you can get on a piece of paper. <laughs> yeah. I'm just going to hand out my measurements. Um, don't want anything to do with that lactating. 
Yeah, I was trying to think of a situation where I would say yes to the lactation. Like, I don't know, you know, people sell <laughs> pictures of their feet on the internet. Maybe I can hawk this milk somewhere, but I think I'm probably just gonna have to start telling people how big I am, uh, or you know, the other one. Uh, would you rather have a bastard bi kid? And by bi, I mean like racial, not. Uh, yeah, it's like a half human, half demon child, and um, they have to move in with you. So imagine like you have this weird sexual liaison with a demon and you think you're going to get away with it. And all of a sudden, a certain amount of years come by and your, your demon son shows up and he has to move in. Or you carry a baby full term inside of you and you have to deliver it out of your ass. But you do get to put the baby off for adoption. So <laughs> your asshole is never going to be the same. All the women who's ever had a baby, it's like, yeah, dude, things are different after, you know, the old old Chuck came out. But. Either that or you're going to have to have this uh, bastard kid. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'll take the, you know, the half ha- half human, half demon child. Mm-hmm. I mean, as somebody that's witnessed live childbirth, uh, no, it's not going to happen. Yeah. It's not coming out my ass. Yeah. And, you know, I don't think you have enough ass where it wouldn't just tear straight up your back. So, yeah, <laughs> I think you'd basically be dead after. <sighs> you know. I'm not going to take the baby. I'm, I mean, the, the adoption part of it is fine, but I guess I want to know how fucking old the demon baby is. I mean, because if he's like a teenager, maybe that might be cool. Or even if he's like seven or nine. But if it's like, a, I don't know, maybe the teenager. Thing well, you're, you're, I mean, it might not be evil. He's uh, I mean, I guess so. It depends on what you made it with. <laughs> it depends on how you <laughs> yeah, got there. In I the mean, first it's got place. a little human in it. Yeah, that, that's, that's probably the conventional yeah. answer. And, uh, the ass baby is not going to be for me. Uh, final, would you rather? Would you rather become a call girl and get throat fucked by a squid monster for a good amount of money? Like over six figures. Or would you uh, rather have an old man watch you every time you have sex and you can't start or finish unless he's there? So imagine for the first one, you put on your little call girl outfit. Things are rough. You know, you lose your job or something. You're looking to uh, sell a little ass on the side. You get a, you know, a call from your escort page. And it's like, all right, you have a customer. Show up at this hotel. Show up at the Tato Hotel. You get there and it's a big squid monster and a little top hat and a, a suit. And you know he's going to fuck the shit out of your throat. And you're dressed up like a little whore. <laughs> <laughs> oh. And like I said, you're going to get a lot of money. You're going to get at least $100,000. For a one-time thing? Uh... Yes, but it's going to take over an hour. (laughs) (laughs) He's paying for extra time. Or, like I said, you have to have that old man. You have to have a a Dakawan. You have to have a a Mr. Maillard type figure rooting you on in the bedroom. Or at least getting a a kick out of it himself. Yeah, this is tough, too. Yeah. The squid call girl or... (laughs) Or I guess you're the call girl. Yeah, no, I don't want to do the squid thing. Fuck it. I'm going to take the money. I'll be honest with you. I, I Just the fact that I can't have sex at all unless this old man is here. So that means he's moving in with me. Or I just, you know, get dolled up, get my throat a little sore the next day, and I walk away with over $100,000. He's not butt. I mean, he's not like slurping my yeah, asshole. Like I guess so. <laughs> You're just reluctantly. <laughs> yeah, I guess I'll fucking take the yeah. throat fucking. Yeah. yeah, well, 
you know, th- these are the hard decisions we have to make when uh, anime is uh, slowly rotting our brain through this podcast. Oh, boy. But uh, I'm glad we, we got out of that one, uh, at least kind of unscathed. Um, but we, we, you know, we've definitely cooled down. And uh, now we're looking to take this, I guess. This movie made Would You Rather somewhat bad. difficult. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like this category no, anymore. There's, uh, there was no good options here. That's I'm trying to you know really test uh, how far you're willing to go for you know some of these situations. So yeah, it's more revealing about you maybe than me because I say some <laughs> gross shit on here. But uh, like I said, we we've cooled down. I guess this is somewhat of a pity party since we walked away with a uh, with a tie here. But we're heading down into downtown Tampa, trying to hit up the bars. Nice. Uh, and while we might be looking forward to maybe that first drink or maybe even next week's game, we're also going to be looking into the future of these characters. Uh, we're going to dive right into our Ghibli All Grown Up. And this might come as a surprise to our 20-person uh, audience, but my dad and I actually decided to collaborate on this one. Uh, we, we felt like this movie deserved our combined efforts. Yes. And we've put together something pretty special for you, ladies and gentlemen. So, Dad, why don't we set the mood with a little music? There is a fifth dimension beyond that which is known to man. It is a dimension as thirsty as a frat boy and as desperate as an incel. It's the middle ground between unfulfilling sex and feeble masturbation, between loneliness and calling a girl a whore in her DMs, and it lies between the pits of a man's fears and the underwhelming size of his penis. This is the dimension of hating men. It is a world in which we call the Misandry Zone. Tokyo, Japan, late summer. A debaucherous island of demons, vagina dentatas, casual unprotected sex, cream pies for strangers, and the self-lubricating goo of a throat-fucking tentacle monster. At the sound of restless traffic through the window, and the white flash of a hurried male orgasm, the clock will strike midnight in the wicked sea. Where we are is Taki's extramarital apartment. On a freshly turned Monday, in the last calm and reflective moments before he lost his penis. <laughs> Hours later, Taki is taken to the office without his usual charm and swagger. He's hunched over in his chair, ashamed of what he knows to be hiding beneath the zipper of his pants. A completely bare pubis, without dick or sack. Just bald skin and the faded dick print worn into his working slacks. A female co-worker approaches and breaks Taki out of his mental fog. Taki, the boss wants to see you right away. Of course, will do. Taki stands and grimaces as he feels a shooting pain in his pelvis. Aw, tough being a husband, isn't it, lover boy? Take care of yourself. The woman walks away and Taki grumbles to himself. Good one, you fucking bitch. What did I do to deserve this? Taki continues down the hallway, shirking off conversation from his co-workers as he hurries into the Black Guard president's office. Taki is buzzed in by a secretary, and as he enters, we see the Black Guard president by the window, smoking a cigar. You asked for me, sir? <sighs> Taki, what did I tell you? Sir? Sexual caution, Taki. I heard all about your little late-night rendezvous from the medical team. I told you, I said you were too goddamn romantic. You're a married man now, 
and look what you've done. Taki hangs his head and brings a bent cigarette to his lips. I, uh, thought a condom would be enough. It's never enough. You know that. The Black Guard president turns and looks at Taki directly. How bad is it? It's bad. Show me. Taki unfastens his belt and drops his pants, revealing the smooth, shiny surface where his penis used to be. Jesus H. Christ. Does Makie know? Not yet. The Black Guard president takes a long draw from his cigar and shakes his head. He blows smoke into Taki's crotch and stands up. Pull your pants up, Mr. Renzaburro, before I get sick. Taki pulls up his pants as the Black Guard president makes his way back to the window. I wanted to be the first to tell you that you aren't the first. Sir? You're dick, Taki. You aren't the first. Look at the folder on my desk. Taki approaches the desk before him and opens the folder to find a stack of photographs depicting men with no genitalia, hiding their face from the lens. Are these other agents? What is this? It's a coordinated attack on the Black Guard, Taki. They're coming for our cock and balls in the worst way. They? A group of female terrorists from the Black World have targeted the Guard as a means of weakening the barriers between our world and theirs. Through our Vatican channels, we've been informed of a plot to castrate all of Japan. And that's seemingly just the beginning. I'd be lying if I said I was shocked. Taki, the mission I have for you isn't going to be easy. But it might just get your dick back before supper time. Say less, boss man. Where are you sending me? First things first, Kendall. You'll have to head down to the red light district in Shinjuku. Is this a punishment? In a way. I'm sending you there to meet your partner. He's doing a little reconnaissance for the mission. Really, Mr. President? I think I want to handle this one alone. Save it, Taki. You're going to want him on your side. He's the only man who's ever lost his dick to a black world girl and got it back. In that case... How will I know it's him? He'll come to you. Now go! You'll not have any time to lose. We cut forward to see Taki walking through the red light district as the sun is coming down. Prostitutes from this world and the dark world co-mingle in the drizzling neon streets, catcalling Taki as he passes by. Leaning up against a building side, Taki lights another cigarette only to feel someone tap him on the back. He turns and looks into the eyes of a man in a hat and trench coat, his face concealed with the collar turned up. You looking for something to buy? Nope, just waiting for a friend. Come on, you're in the red light district. There's gotta be something. I'm fine, really. Thanks anyways. Why don't I just show you what I have to offer? Taki begins to say no. But as the man opens his trench coat and throws off his hat, we see it's none other than Giuseppe Maillard on a pair of stilts, completely nude with his dick hanging like a veiny third leg. Maillard, you perverted old bird. What are you doing here? I'm here to get your dick back, Taki! After you wasted it on some cheap demon pussy! What, was Makie not enough? Being a father isn't what I signed up for, Mayard. 
I have half a mind to blame you for being in this position. You can't blame me for the holes you choose to put yourself in, Taki. Taki takes a drag off his cigarette and throws it into a nearby puddle. So this happened to you? Fifty-seven years ago, give or take. What happened? I got lost in the nookie, same as you. But when you have a dick as big as mine, you'll do just about anything to get it back. So that presents the question. Are you willing to do what it takes, Taki? Anything it takes. Good. Now let's get out of here. I can't come anymore and I'm all out of cash. My art then leads Taki across Tokyo to the Taito Hotel, where Hodgkins is waiting for them at the door, holding a freshly steamed tracksuit for my art. Hodgkins, uh, I wasn't expecting you. Mr. Maillard asked for my assistance, and once he told me you were coming, I knew I couldn't turn down a friend. How exactly are you going to assist us? He's going to open a portal to the dark world, Taki! So lace up your shoes and get ready to feel a little nauseous. Hodgkins then leads Maillard and Taki into a dimly lit back room where a single mirror is pushed up against the wall. Are we supposed to draw a pentagram on the ground, or is there something I'm missing? Myart, with a clear lane to the mirror and his tracksuit on, runs toward it and vaults himself in a cannonball towards the glass. Last one's in a dickless wonder! Wahoo! Not wanting to explain himself, Taki gives Hodgkins a sheepish grin and follows Myart through the portal. And on the other side, he and Myart find themselves in the bathroom of a demon soap lamp. Every stall behind them is loud with demons shitting and fucking, and the two quickly leave at Taki's insistence. Outside of the bathroom is not much better, and Taki sees the establishment is inundated with female demons in bladed strap-ons, butt-fucking their dickless patrons in various positions with what appears to be little to no lubricant. Navigating through the establishment with the ease of someone who's been there before, Myart brings Taki down a flight of stairs to a grungy basement where a demon with a pig nose and five-inch-long nipples sits on a stool. With a nod of his head, the demon opens the door to what appears to be a dimly lit cellar, where at the center is a mountain of detached penises, fed by a bloody chute that spits more dicks atop it. Maillard and Taki step inside, and the doors are shut behind them, and to Taki's surprise, he can see his own penis sitting atop the mount. Maillard, look! There's my dick! I see it, my boy. It's as nice as I remember. It's just too bad you'll never get it back. What did you say? Taki then turns to look at my art, but in his place is the same demon who stole his penis. If this wasn't surprising enough, Taki sees two more buxom female demons come out from behind the mound, and all three are wearing foot-long strap-ons with blades down the shaft and spikes around the tip. Taki jumps back and draws his revolver. I don't mean to disappoint, ladies, but this isn't the kind of forgy I'd like to engage in. Just as Taki is about to pull the trigger, he hears a commotion coming from behind the closed cellar door. There's an explosion, and the door flies off its hinges to reveal the real Giuseppe Maillard, here to the rescue. Taki, I've been looking everywhere for you! What happened to meeting in the red light district? We can talk about it later, Grandpa. You wouldn't happen to want to make this a fivesome, would you? Now you're speaking my language. With the help of the newly arrived Myart, 
He and Taki engage in an epic battle with the sword dick terrorist, and together they are able to put a stop to their phallocentric plot. With the help of the Black Guard's resources, they're able to return all of the stolen penises to the rightful owners, and Taki is even able to make it to dinner on time with Makie none the wiser. At the movie's end, Taki tucks in his young son and settles into bed with Makie, and in a final monologue he says, It's finally the end of the worst day of my life. As my friend Hodgkin once said, I know what I'm really protecting when I find it. Well, I guess I know what I'm protecting is the family jewels, something my son will someday know for himself. And oh yeah, I stopped cheating on my demon wife. Bravo! Bravissimo! What a performance by Hurtaki. (laughs) (laughs) And quite a performance by Mayart. Yeah, it was Mayart, the the president, the woman. I I definitely wanted to show off my voice acting reel. Yeah. If I ever uh, can't make it excellent, as a writer. excellent job. Thank you, thank you so much. And you did a great job too. It was convincing. Yeah, I, I really felt like you didn't have your dick. Yeah, <laughs> I uh, I had the easiest part, but that's that's okay. But I wrote it specifically to make you a star. That's why I gave you that <laughs> that final monologue. Uh, you know, that might be put on your uh, actor reel. That might be the best performance you gave for uh, for a sequel. But you know, we're trying to also see the the best of the best for the rest of this movie we're, we're gonna try to throw this one right up on the rushmore so okay i hope you you found your sculpting tools uh, we might be ready to take a face down so first rushmore the lothario rushmore does taki beat out tony stark in iron man uh austin powers in austin powers you know the franchise uh every single iteration of james bond in the james bond franchise and Michael Caine as the titular Alfie in uh, 1966. Um, nah. No. Nah, I'm not going to put Taki up there. Yeah, I guess I only see him sleep with like two women, and it seems like all of these have slept with a, a lot more than that. So. Yeah. Just not there we, for Taki. Nah. His dick game is strong, but he's not strong enough. No, not, not really. Now that he has a kid. <laughs> <laughs> He's out of the dating game anyways. <laughs> well, that's too bad for Taki. But we have a we have a chance for at least Taki's side gun there. So this is going to be the hand cannon Rushmore. Does Taki's revolver beat out the Joker's scoped 36-inch barrel in 1989's Batman, uh, Deadpool's dual Desert Eagles in Deadpool, uh, Dirty Harry's 44 Magnum Smith & Wesson and Dirty Harry, and uh, I had Hellboy's 22 millimeter four round revolver, the Good Samaritan Hellboy. And I actually, I mean, I guess it depends on how you want to move these around. I might take actually Deadpool off. I'm going to put Jay's noisy cricket from uh, Men in Black. You know, that little gun. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. So no more dead uh, pools with the, the Desert Eagles, but the rest still stand for me. Um, I'm going to say no just because I. Th- I don't feel like it's it's any better than any of those weapons for the most part. I'm okay with taking Dirty Harry's 44 off. Yeah, that's true. And this is like a, a demon. Yeah, you're right. Aura. Yeah, I forgot. It's just a standard. Yeah, 44 Magnum. It definitely is a is a hand cannon, but yeah. it's not on the the same level. No. So that's okay. So good for Taki. I mean, at least he got one. Yeah, he's got something up there now. All right, we have the terrifying demon Rushmore. Does the Spider-Woman beat out Pazuzu in The Exorcist, uh, Balrog 
or the Balrog uh, from the Lord of the Rings, the lipstick face monster from Insidious, or the Cenobites in uh, the Hellraiser movie. So the Spider Woman, you know, just to name off a little, uh, a couple of her traits, she has those big long arms with the the spiky hands and feet, the the vagina dentata with the big scary teeth. I guess her face is pretty, but you know, those two are still pretty much deal breakers. Yeah, I, I want to put her up there because, you know, she definitely has a frightening vagina. <laughs> I think I would have to think that Kawahiri is just terrified of, uh, you know, the female genitalia because he depicts it in some pretty gross yeah. ways in this movie. So who do we take off? Um, I'm okay with getting rid of the lipstick face demon insidious because you actually get to see him at some point and Yeah, know. that makes sense. In the first one, it's, it's definitely scary to see that motherfucker, but... Um, the Spider Woman is a different male type fear, I guess, a phallocentric one, if you will, from our uh, our skit. I mean, The Exorcist, damn that that scared the hell out of me. Yeah, that seems unimpeachable. Like that is a, a tried and true scary demon, and the Balrog is more of like a monstrosity uh, in terms of a demon. But and then the Cenobites are all really just creepy, like the nails in the face and stuff yeah. like that. So I'm o- I'm okay with taking the lipstick one off. Yep. All right, cool. Spider-Woman, good for you. Uh, and then finally, we're uh, at our last Rushmore. We have our creepy perverts Rushmore. Does Giuseppe Meyer beat out John Lithgow as Roger Ailes in Bombshell? Bombshell. Uh, James Mason as Humbert Humbert in Lolita. Eric Stoltz as the dad in The Butterfly Effect. Or Keith David as Big Tim in Requiem for a Dream, uh, making Jennifer Connelly go ass-to-ass with that dildo. <laughs> Does Giuseppe Meyer get up onto the creepy pervert Rushmore? Uh, I think he definitely does. He's got some uh, at least interesting, co- uh, you know, competition. Yeah. Um, because one is a, I guess, a pedophile in Humbert Humbert. Uh, Roger Ailes is a sexual criminal. Uh, Eric Stoltz, as the dad in the Butterfly Effect, makes his kids, I believe, have like sex. He makes like child pornography. That's why. <laughs> One of the iterations that girls messed up, and then, like I said, Big Tim with his uh, <laughs> with that sweet H. Um, I'm not familiar with uh, James Mason as in Lolita. Um, I think that's probably the weakest link. But yeah. like I said, it's more of like a child. Yeah, I'm gonna take him off. All right, we're taking off the classic Lolita. So I, I think James Mason is dead. So honestly, I'm not gonna tell him to fuck off, but. <laughs> Bye, Humbert. You could be a, a pedophile somewhere else. Well, we're we're feeling good. I mean, we've uh, we definitely chipped off a, a couple new Rushmores, and we're feeling pretty good about ourselves at this point in the pod. So, let's just uh, try to make it even better. We're gonna jump right into our live action Netflix recast. Dad, who was your director for this movie? I had Len Wiseman. And what was he? Uh, no, he did the uh, Underworld stuff. Okay. So I guess I can see where your head's at. Yeah. Has uh, the dark influence. Yeah. I had Francis Lawrence. He uh, directed Constantine, uh, I Am Legend, and uh, the Hunger Games sequels. But Constantine, I think, is uh, pretty much the same movie. Except yeah. Except it's obviously not as exploitive sexually. And I Am Legend is uh, terrifying in its own right. Um, so I think... Uh, yeah, Mr. that's that's a pretty good pick. Yeah, Mr. Lawrence is going to be able to do just fine. Who did you have as your Taki Renziburo? I had Henry Golden 
who I I mean, you know, familiar face for uh, me and my dad watch anime, but I like this pick yeah. with Henry Golding because, you know, he's a handsome man. And he, I mean, honestly, if he brought those bangs down, he just might straight up look like Taki. Although Taki is borderline black, if you see him yeah, in some scenes. Yeah, I noticed that. It was very interesting how tan he was. Yeah. Uh, I had Mike Moe, who uh, was in, obviously, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood as Bruce Lee. And I can't believe I didn't say this in the Street Fighter episode, but he was actually Ryu in some TV show, YouTube, uh, Street Fighter show, uh, Resurrection. So another guy who looks good in Banks. I got Mike Moe. Yeah, I mean, that alone, I think, sort of gives him the... Uh the leg up on this one yeah yeah <laughs> just that alone <laughs> well good for him uh who did you have as your makie my makie i had claudia kim another familiar she, face. yeah she was in avengers age of ultron and she also played uh nagini i guess that's how you say I think it's it nagini nagini mm-hmm. in fantastic beats the crimes of grinwald grindelwald i think uh i think i'm okay with that obviously claudia kim is a is a beautiful woman um, I had, uh, I had some trouble finding this one because I was really doing my best to find somebody who fit this, uh, Machia role. And obviously there's some things to consider when casting this role. Uh, and I had, uh, Fan Bing Bing, who is actually, I don't know if you know who this person is, but she's one of the most famous and rich celebrities in the world. Really? Yeah. She's a, a, a Chinese like superstar. She was a blink in X-Men days of future past. And she's going to be appearing in uh, the 355 with Lapita Nyong'o and Jessica Chastain. Um, and another fun fact, she was actually held in a, a Chinese detention center and uh, charged over $130 million in tax evasion. So wow. if we're going to bring uh, Fan Bing Bing into this movie. Uh, fan Bing Bing. I don't think really anybody is going to be able to uh, fuck Fan harder than the Chinese government. So I hope everybody keeps their hands <laughs> off of her in this recast. Yeah. Because she's a talented young actress. Uh, I think we both, you know, shrugged our shoulders on this Giuseppe Maillard one, but uh, we just, what, said it's a CGI for her? Yeah, I was just saying, yeah. It's sort of going to be some kind of CGI type character, I guess. Mm-hmm. I'd be okay with bringing Tyrion in. I can't remember, you know, the actor's name, and I guess I'm going to have to apologize for it now, but the, uh, the little guy. Who oh, him? yeah. Oh, crap. We'll apologize to him after. That's fine. Who did you have as your uh, Mr. Shadow? Uh, I had Daniel Day Kim. The uh, leader of the Not Fucking Around crew. Daniel there you go. And I think I think that's good because just like looking at this picture, all he really needs is that long hair, uh, and he, he pretty much is right for the role. Right. I had Daniel Henney, who was in uh, X-Men Origins uh, Wolverine, and he was also in Big Hero 6, but I'm really ready to just kind of hand it to you with Daniel Day Kim. I'm just going to let that happen and – Cool. Let, yeah. <laughs> let the not fucking around captain just take that one to the house. Uh, who was your, your spider woman, your your Kaneko? Yeah, I had um, Nikki uh, Soho. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was in the TV show Heathers, and she plays the character Betty Finn. Did you uh, ever watch that um, movie, Heathers? I did. Yeah. The original one? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I actually like that movie. I remember yeah. watching it not too long ago. Yeah, it's a really good movie. I think I might have hit this one right on the head just because they seem one-to-one physically. Uh, I had Chiaki Kuriyama, who was in Battle Royale, and uh, she was the uh, the young girl with the, yep. the spinning thing from Kill Bill. No, when I saw it, I'm like, oh, wow, that's perfect. Yeah. I was pretty proud of this one, and I saw it right away. I was like, oh, that's the girl from fucking Kill Bill. Yeah. It's funny how those things do kind of happen. You like yep. see the characters like right away. 
this one I, I definitely did not have right away, and I, I kind of picked an obscure pick. Uh, but who is your black guard president? I had uh, Benedict Wong. He's in Gemini Man and Avengers Endgame. Mm-hmm. I think he was the uh, the sidekick. Well, he was just the partner uh, magician to Doctor Strange. Yes, he was. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I'm okay with that pick. It might be, I don't know. Do you know how old? Yeah, he's uh, he's getting up there in age. Has he pushed the 50? Yeah. I think he's 50-something, yeah. Okay, that's the cutoff for me. I mean, I guess that's fine. I had uh, Tom Yee, and uh, it doesn't seem like he's had a lot of big roles, uh, at least in American pictures that I've seen. He was in Bridesmaids, The Purge, and uh, 2016's Ghostbusters. But just physically, I, I was okay with picking that one. Uh, but here we are, Dad. It's uh, last call. Kind of happened out of nowhere. Yeah. Uh, you know, the bottle is nearly empty. The The bartender is, is talking shit about us in the back, but we're... He always does. <laughs> yeah. Bastard. He's, he's ready for us we to We spend leave. a lot of money here, damn it. No. Yeah, we spend a lot of money, but we're loud and rowdy, and yeah. we're talking about gross stuff. Yeah. Uh, but we still have a few questions we want to get off our chest. So, Dad, do you have any questions for the director? Um. Well, I was just questioning the end. I mean, what was the significance of bringing him to this, you know, church or whatever? I mean, what, what was that... Well, with the casual nature in which he's like, yeah, I brought you guys back with psychic energy. It's like, so they were dead? Like, what? There's just Well, my art talks about the transfiguration, which is basically, it's talks about, I mean, that comes from Christian, you know, Jesus when he, you know, rises from the dead or something to that effect. Mm -hmm. And I I don't know if that's where he was, you know, trying to allude to, you know, what, you know, there's some kind of. There was a lot of jargon talk in this movie. It's like the Vatican channels, the the planetarium or something like that. Oh, yeah, that's right. They do bring in the Vatican. So mm-hmm. there is a religious slant somewhere in there. Absolutely. Whenever I mean, the, the think that, you know, uh, my art is somehow, you know, religious, considering he's, you know, a total horn dog. And uh, well, also my I mean, I had one other question, but my art is apparently considered a human. He calls himself a human. Yeah, and he's supposed to be Italian. Yeah, <laughs> which might explain the big dick, but like I don't know, uh, I don't know about the horns and the four teeth. But did you notice on his head that there was like these bumps, and it looked like there was like a spider web type? Yeah. You know. How? I mean, that's exactly what I'm saying. Like, how do you look like that? And you're not. I, I mean, there's humans look a lot of different yeah. ways, but this guy was definitely not. Yeah, human. and suppose he's a wizard or something like that, yeah. or at least in the books or in the novels, he's a wizard. Yeah, because I don't think they, you know, really state that in the uh, in the movie. Yeah, there's a lot of mystery around that character, and uh, only a little bit of his uh, is about his dick. <laughs> I guess is the yeah. rest of just what the fuck he is. Do you have any other uh, questions? No, I don't. Yeah, I just had one more quick one. Who hurt you, uh, Director Kawahiri? Because <laughs> I don't know what kind of bad breakup. I don't know if your mom was mean to you. Like whatever it is that you have against women, I uh, believe you need to work that out because it sucks that he's a very talented director. And Ninja Scroll was a cool movie, but all the parts about you know sexual assault is a quick way for me to tap out of that movie. So go see a therapist, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> uh, now that. Uh, I mean, he, the, you know, the bartender's putting the chairs up at this point. We got to go. I, I'm, I'm definitely waiting for my Uber outside, but we're, uh, we're here at Notes on Arata. And is there uh, anything you want to apologize for? Anything you want to correct from this week or last week? I didn't have anything. No. 
I uh, I just remembered it was Peter Dinklage. So sorry. Mr. Oh Peter. yes, Peter Dinklage. Yeah. Thank God. So that was my my quick uh, apology, yeah. but. I guess we'll have to listen to the tape and how this all plays out to uh, know if I did, did anything really bad. Uh, all right. Well, Dad, I'm uh, I'm in the Uber now. I'm looking at you like Bradley Cooper and uh, the stars board. I'm <laughs> asking you what your wine rating is before I go. Yeah, I'm going to give it um, four out of five demon tentacles. Okay. Okay. I, uh, I did like it as well. But I don't want to use the tentacle one. I'm gonna say. <laughs> use the tentacle one. Yeah, I'm gonna say uh, four vagina teeth out of five. Oh. Yeah, I give a lot of four star ratings out, but we drink some good wine here. And uh, guys, I guess if uh, you like what you listened to and you <laughs> enjoyed uh, all the production of this uh, episode, give us a uh, a like and a, a subscribe. Uh, yeah, we review. need some reviews on our uh, little uh, sequel performance. Yeah, I definitely would like to uh, see some more reviews on our iTunes page to let us know how good of a voice actor I am. See if we're up and coming, you know, anime voice actors. Like I said, I'm, I'm cutting into my reel <laughs> for sure when I get home. <laughs> After I get high, of course. Uh, but just like always, we have uh, no idea what we're doing. And hopefully on the other end, we're going to come out with something OK. But we're going to see you guys next week. Yep. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Oh, and uh, don't drink and drive.